I've always been enthralled by the process of putting together the 68-team NCAA Tournament March Madness bracket. Well, it's good news then that Tom Wistrasil, Big Sky Commissioner and a member of the Selection Committee, joins us today to pull back the curtain and tell us more about the process. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily year-round national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's show. As I said in the cold open, we have a fun interview today with Tom Wistrasel. There's a couple of hats he wears, but the two biggest ones we're going to talk about today are him being part of the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee, which includes being on the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. And he's also the commissioner of the Big Sky. We're going to have some great conversations. Let's get right into it. It's a great honor to be joined today on Locked On College Basketball by Tom Wistrasil. Now, you might or might not know his name, but this man wears a lot of hats in the world of college basketball and in college athletics in general. And so, Tom, I'm going to ask you to put on a couple of those different hats today. But first, if you would just briefly introduce yourself to everyone and uh, give, give us a couple of those roles, those hats that you wear. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Isaac, for having me on. Always good to come on and talk about college hoops and the Big Sky Conference and that. And uh, so I feel uh, fortunate to join you. And, uh, you know, I've been a commissioner now uh, for uh, for five years. I have kind of a unique background. I was a uh, I was a Division three student athlete. I was a Division two commissioner. I was a Division one AD and uh, now a Division one commissioner. So I've kind of seen all parts and sides of college athletics. And uh, so it's been an interesting ride. And uh, I, I love being a commissioner. I love uh, what we do here in the big sky and that. And uh, so part of my you know, role and responsibility is to be involved nationally in lots of things that are going on. And uh, certainly that led me to, uh, uh, to be fortunate enough to be named to the men's basketball committee. I've uh, just finished my first year, entering year two on the selection committee. Um, certainly been a goal of mine for a long time to if that opportunity ever came around to serve in that capacity. And I know we'll get into some of that as we go along, but, uh, but obviously I, I was a division three basketball player a long time ago. So I've been around the game uh, forever. And I feel this is a good way for me to give back to that. Man, that's great. That, I just love that trajectory and your story. Tom, shout out that, that alma mater. Who is your D three school that you played at? St. Mary's university in Winona, Minnesota. Um, quick story. You'll laugh about this, Isaac. So I was, a uh, uh, let's say slightly above average high school basketball player and, um, was recruited by a few division three schools and, uh, went to St. Mary's, watched them play and they were awful. And I knew I'd start as a freshman and that's why I went to St. Mary's because I'd start as a freshman. So I was fortunate to start every game I played for four years, long time ago, 30 plus years ago. Wow. And uh, it was a lot of fun and I uh, loved being a student athlete. And uh, I think it really built for me kind of the value proposition of what college athletics can do for an individual. Uh, it can be life changing for a family and uh, and also provide a, a great way to play the sport you love, but also get an education. Man, that's beautiful. And I love that you have that background that now informs and influences the decisions you make as a commissioner, as part of the D1 Men's Basketball Committee that you were talking about. It just uh, it, it brings 
from a different standpoint than a lot of people would that didn't have those opportunities and experiences. Yeah. So Tom, I, I want to start our conversation today looking at that D1 men's basketball committee role that you play. Uh, we know that a couple of weeks ago in July, you all met. And obviously there's a lot of news that comes out of that, the, the next couple chairs of the committee. Um, but I, I think for most basketball fans, probably the biggest news that comes out of those conversations is that NCAA tournament expansion is currently not imminent. That's that's kind of the news uh, that we learned from Dan Gavitt in the NCAA's release following you all's meetings. Would you just bring the rest of us inside that room a little bit, share some of those conversations that happened for and against expansion? Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, I think, you know, previous to the, um, uh, the NCA talking about expanding all tournament fields to 25%, um, there's always kind of been that undertone around college athletics. You know, we, when we expanded from 64 to 68, of what's the right size of the men's basketball tournament. And, and, and when you think about it in just the bubble of the basketball tournament, I think you could come up with lots of reasons to say, hey, let's add some teams. You know, some of that sounds great. You know, when you take a step back and you think about 93% of the NCAA's budget is driven by the, the men's basketball tournament, you know, then, then you start to realize that any decision on that has such huge implications for the future of college athletics. And so you're not just making a decision based upon, hey, does this team that was in the first four out last year, do they deserve to be in? So let's expand. It's not like that. It's such a huge decision. It impacts every championship. It impacts uh, the national office. It impacts the amount of work the NCA can do within the enterprise. It affects every championship at every level from D3, D2 to every other D1 championship. So, so you know, we as a committee uh, own that process and own the tournament and the rules around it and the potential expansion. And so I think treading lightly is kind of how we've kind of approached this. And uh, we had really good discussion about it, and rightly so. Um, it's come up before, but this was like the first time we really talked about it. And I think the sense of the room, just kind of my own personal view, the sense of the room was there was not a huge compelling reason to expand right now. Um, you can come up with some reasons for and against, but um, at this point, we haven't done enough work, enough study, enough um, deep thinking and research about all the implications around it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the words that come out are nothing's imminent, which means you know, we're not going to expand for next for next year. Um, we're going to do some work and some more discussion and, and talk about it and and uh, do some research to help build um, at least some type of a and in the end, I think we'll come up with some type of results that will help help us kind of frame our discussion. Hmm. Um, so, you know, again, not a lot of meat in that answer. But the, <laughs> the but the bottom line of it is, Isaac, is that you know, we see, our, see, see ourselves as kind of stewards of college basketball, right? And so anything we do, because it has such implications, we're not going to make that decision in a bubble. We're not going to make that decision, hey, we had a meeting, we decided to expand by four, by eight, by 20, by we double the, the field. Uh, no, that's not going to be done like that. Doesn't mean we won't expand someday. Who knows? Maybe we will. Right. But, um, but there's nothing right now that's making us make that decision. It's not pressing. 
And uh, so we're going to be very cautious and smart about any movement forward. And as, just like on the personal side, as someone who just loves the entity that is the NCAA tournament, that just helps me lay my head on the pillow at night, knowing how much thought and intentionality you all put into it. So personally, thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. one of the things that, you know, I, that I think people don't realize when they think about expanding the tournament is, you know, right now the tournament happens in a very fixed three weeks, right? Right. So you have this, everybody starts college basketball on this date. You have all these games that lead up to the conference tournaments. The conference tournaments are scheduled well out for venue space, for hotels and all that. And then from the CBS perspective, you have the Masters that comes up right after the, the final weekend four. after. That's right. So you have this compression right now uh, in there. And uh, so that that doesn't leave for a lot of flexibility. And we, and, and, and at this point, this is just me speaking now, not sure. the committee. Sure. Yeah. I don't think we want to be playing the college, the NCAA men's basketball tournament with games every day of the week um, just to try to fit it in this, this window. So, I mean, there's something special about that first Thursday, Friday, right? I mean, you know, the sports world kind of shuts down and everybody pays attention Thursday morning. We know what the reports are, right? About X number of people missing work, calling in sick, <laughs> you know, coming down with that 24-hour flu. Um, so, <laughs> I'm feeling it um, right now, actually, Tom. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about it, right? So, so again, that's just that's just one of the issues around it, but um, but it's something that you know we have to think about. So yeah. So anyway, that's that's where it's at right now. Yeah, and those those timelines are so important, and I, I think you're right that that breather that we get Monday through Wednesday just gets us all ready uh, for the, for the next Thursday coming. Now, something interesting you just said there, Tom, is I'm speaking for myself and not the committee here. And one of the things I was curious about is as you guys have these conversations, are you asked to think more independently in terms of like, what does Tom think is best in informing my opinions? Or are you asked to think, Hey, come at this with your big sky commissioner hat on as in what's best for the big sky conference and maybe other uh, traditional single bid conferences. Yeah, we are we are not only taught, but the right thing to do, which is we come in with no conference or school affiliation at all. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny. None of us wear logoed stuff either <laughs> in any of the meetings we go to. So um, just like I don't have a big sky polo on today, I could wear this in the meeting because it's just a Callaway logo there. Um, so so I, I sit in certainly representing not only the Big Sky, uh, mid-major basketball conference, tip, you know, a single bid conference right now. Uh, so I, I certainly bring that history and, and perspective to the room. But when I'm in the room, I'm one of 12, and everyone is e an equal voice in there uh, bringing forth their comments and thoughts and perspectives about the best for college basketball. And uh, that rings through everything with the committee. And we'll get into some of that here later, I know, but, um, <laughs> but that's one of the great things about it is even though, you know, I was, I worked at power five institutions, I was a G five AD and now I'm an FCS commissioner. Um, the, I, I don't bring that with me in the room. I'm Tom Wistersell, one of 12 uh, committee members and uh, and we're going to lock arms and and together do what we feel is best for college basketball. Man, well said, sir. Very well said. Now, Tom, as you just alluded to, I want to shift kind of from these off-season roles of the D1 Men's Basketball Committee to discussing the work that you all do during the season leading up to and 
ultimately deciding this 68 team bracket that we get to all love and experience every year. We're going to have that conversation coming up in just a minute. But first, I need to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. So that's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs that helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to create a free job post, and then you just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to let everyone know that you're hiring. Beyond that, you can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. Let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.job, linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, we are joined today on Locked On College Basketball by Tom Wistrasil, who is the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference. But right now, we are talking more specifically about his role as part of the D1 Men's Basketball Committee. And if you don't know, here's what that means. This man is on the selection committee and has uh, both the joy and the heavy weight of helping bring to all of us the 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament each year. And so, Tom, kind of similar to the question I asked you about taking us inside the room for the meetings you guys just recently had in July, would you take us uh, just inside the room of the process of beginning to build this field and what that looks like? I I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, you just hop on a plane in during conference championship week and that's it. So, (laughs) no, 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 no. What, What is it that people need to know about you all as a committee and your processes that they might not know? Well, you know, a couple of things I think are really important. One is, you know, obviously we all take this role very seriously, all 12 of us. And, you know, the, the goal at the end of this is to have the best 68 teams in the field at the end, uh, 32 AQs, 36 at-large bids. And that work really begins as soon as the season starts. Wow. And so by that, we all get assigned conferences to monitor. Um, so they're, you're either primary or secondary on – six conferences, three, three and three. So essentially you kind of become the experts on those leagues. So for example, last year, one of the conferences I had was the Mountain West Conference. And I remember telling my wife one night that I know more about the Mountain West Conference, the players. And I, in fact, I was telling um, the former coach at Utah State that I know is out of bounds plays, I think better than his players do. Um, which he Ryan thought was kind of funny. But um, I was watching so many of those games, you know, I, and, and through Synergy, the, the website, I can watch like four games in an hour and a half, which is great. And so, and, and yet I have a son who was a freshman last year playing in our league in the big sky at Northern Arizona. I felt like I was watching more, more Mountain West than I ever was big sky, which was funny. So, <laughs> So the amount of basketball we're watching to really pay attention to those teams, to know the streaks and we- strengths and weaknesses. So when we're in the selection room and we're talking about team A versus team B, what we're talking, what we'll say is, okay, who has the big East? 
and somebody will speak up, I have the Big East. Okay, great. Well, we're comparing this team in the Big East to this team in the Big 12. Who has the Big 12? Great. Well, what do you know about both those teams? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about their personnel. So all of that starts at the beginning of the year. So we're tracking and watching all those teams. We have conference calls to talk about the teams and uh, their strengths and weaknesses and that as we build up. All of us have to in some way get the teams in some some order. So we need to have some order that we personally kind of feel. So everyone kind of has a different way of doing that. There's lots of ways you could skin the cat here from putting together just a list of one to 80 teams and then sorting them by net. That would be like the most simple way to do it, right? Um, many of us get, get much more complicated than that. I have uh, three staff members here at the Big Sky. The four of us get together every week during the season. We talk about this list of roughly 80 teams, what we like about them, what we don't, how, how they've done. Uh, we move them around. Um, so we do that every week. Um, I prepare a list on Sundays of every week so I can start that process with the three of them so that when we get together on Tuesdays, we're sorting those teams. We're talking about who did what and where, who's injured, um, a great example last year is like Creighton. You know, they had that, that I forgot, uh, Upbringer. right. The, the big guy, he was, he missed like six games right. in December. Right. So they were, they, but they lost like three of the six. So, so they, so, it, but, it, but it changed their, their season a little bit. Right? right. So, so that was something we talked a lot about individually, the big, the, me and our staff members here at the big sky about what, how I was going to approach that. So all of that leads to, us coming together in Indy, 12 different people, all with different ways we've kind of sorted and, and, and uh, talked about the teams. Um, once we get to Indy uh, for the selection process, that's when obviously the work really begins, you know. So it starts with something as, you know, kind of um, important as let's get teams into the field right away on Wednesday. Um Teams that we know are going to – let's take, for example, Houston last year, right? If Houston would have lost – they hadn't played a game in their conference tournament yet, but if they'd have <laughs> lost their first game, they were going to be in the tournament, right? Alabama, same way, right? They were the overall number one seed, right? So there are teams like that that you can put in the field. They're going to be in the 68, whether they're part of the 32 or part of the 36. So we do that. And then after that, you really begin a lot of series of discussion and voting of where there will be teams on the board, well, four screens, four computer screens in front of us, and there will be teams on the board on the screen in front of us, and those will be come out of that initial vote, that type of thing, and maybe there will be 16 teams on there, the next 16 uh, that, we've, that we've all discussed in that, and we'll be asked to rank those. Who are the best eight? Pick the best eight out of those 16, and you'll go click on those, and then so will, uh, so will 11 other people. And then the computer immediately gets populated with, okay, there's of the 16 teams, there's the eight of them that got the most votes. Great. Okay, now we want you to take that those eight and sort them one through eight hmm. based upon your evaluation. And so I would sit there, look at my, my list I made with our staff here, look at anything that's happened since, that, uh, since I made that chart on Saturday. So they might have played a conference tournament game or two by then. By, by we're getting towards that. And so that then I'm going to rank that team first and second and third, and I'll rank those teams one through eight. Then it immediately gets populated with, okay, here's how you as the 12 voted these eight schools, these top four, they're in the field. Hmm. 
And then those next four move on and another four come in. And so it's a continuous set of voting based upon your analysis. And you can at any time, you have the team sheets up there. You have injury reports. There's people, people can discuss anything they want. You can raise your hand. You press a button. You're like, Hey, uh, let's talk about Providence. I want to, let's talk, you know, and so whoever has the big E says, okay, let's talk about Providence. Here's what's happened to this game. Let's look at that comparison game. And so each person is kind of responsible for their vote, but gathering the data, how they see it working and fitting within what they believe. The nice thing about doing it this way, because it's all anonymous, I have no idea who voted for anything other than myself. Interesting. Is that is that the group is big enough that the the ends, the extremes don't matter. Yep. Right. Yep. So the so the so the the majority drive the decision, which is what it should be. And, you know, you can certainly tell that certain things mean things differently to some. You know, for example, I I greatly value road wins, road and neutral wins because there's no home games in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> right. And. And what was your out-of-conference schedule? Did you try to play someone? You know, and and so we have all that data in front of us. We, we have it sorted for every team out there. But different people like different things. And that's hmm. what makes having a group of 12. So hopefully that's a little insight into the room. Brilliant. And um, there's a lot of discussion. It lasts, you know, I mean, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, we have to get as close as we can to getting the field set which we make a bunch of contingencies based upon the Sunday results. Right. Got SEC, Big Ten, talk about Houston, the AAC. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. IV, all those that are playing on Sunday. So so that has impact. So we have to have all these kind of contingencies if Team A wins or Team B wins or or Team C wins. But we really need to finish all of that by Saturday night. So we have those contingencies because Sunday morning, we begin an incredible scrubbing process of every team one through 68. And by that, Isaac, what we do is we start at the top. So last year's Alabama, right? At number two, Houston, if I remember correctly. Three was Kansas, right? So it's like yep. and Purdue you, four. Yep. So Alabama one. Does any and Houston two? Does anybody anybody believe Houston should be above Alabama? Look around the room. <laughs> if nobody says it, okay, okay, great. Okay, okay, let's move down. Kansas. Does anybody believe, anybody believe Kansas should be above Houston? You know. Hey, I believe Kansas should be up in Houston. Okay, great. Is there a second? You get a second. You discuss it. Then you vote on that. And if you mm-hmm. vote on it and it and approves, then you move them. You would have moved Kansas to the two slot. And then you would compare Kansas against Houston, uh, against Alabama for the one slot. And so, so that all of that, we do every single seed line, one through 68 that way. And so that, t- that takes about five hours. <laughs> so that's what's happening Sunday morning. Is it, So when – when people say, you know, people say, oh, they were trying to line up this team with that team. Okay, we, that cannot happen in this process. It's impossible because you're getting scrubbed above and below with every team out there. That's every team that's there on the board. So, so, so again, a team gets scrubbed to get in the field. Then they get scrubbed for their seed line. Um, and we haven't even started the bracketing process. I was going to say, then you got bracketing principles. Exactly. <laughs> so, so there, so, you know, hopefully that kind of gives you some insight that, uh, that, you know, it, it's, it's um, a very thorough process. Obviously um, we all take it incredibly seriously. 
when people's when their team or their conference team comes up, they have to leave the room. Right. And so, you know, there's people coming in and out of the rooms based upon what the discussion is. People really challenge each other based upon their beliefs and feelings. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's one of those things. It's like being on, being on 18, you might get on each other, but then afterwards you can laugh and joke about it. And that happens in that room as well. You know, um, 18 hours in the room on Saturday, I, I'm tired of listening to some of those other people. And I'm sure they're damn tired of listening to me too. Um, <laughs> You know, but uh, but it's it's a very important job. We take it very seriously, and we we think that's a tremendous honor uh, to serve college basketball um, in this way. Well, on behalf of uh, college basketball fans all over the world, we say thank you for that honor. Also, uh, I think the Mountain West Conference wants you to have them every year if they're going to have uh, historic success like San Diego State did. So they'll be vying for you to have them next year again. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. You know, they um, you know, they got four teams in, and the other teams didn't do very well, unfortunately. Yeah. But then San Diego State, you know, got hot, as we know. And uh, so that, that was fun to see. And uh, – yeah, it was quite a tournament last year, obviously. Um, unpredictable. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is a result of kind of the marketplace, what's out there right now, right, of the transfers going around and coaches you know, transitioning. And so we'll see if that's what uh, happens going forward. Well, Tom, you've just made a great segue for me. We want to talk about you as the Big Sky Commissioner and some of those things. How are you seeing the marketplace playing out with the transfer portal, how it affects the Big Sky, and all those kind of things? You should be hosting today, maybe not even me. We'll talk about all that in just a second. All right, folks, once again, we are joined right now today on Locked on College Basketball by Mr. Tom Wistrasil, the host, the host, uh, just about it, and now I'm giving you my title. You are the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, and that's the hat I want to ask you to put on right now, and you just kind of alluded to it, but man, we are in an era, time of college athletics in general, and college basketball is part of that, uh, unprecedented, that we have never seen, and so um, I I want to ask just kind of at a big general level, what are the biggest issues right now facing the big sky conference? Yeah. You know, like, like most of my brothers and sisters at the commissioner level, um, our issues are very similar, right? We're managing an enterprise. that is in a great state of flux. Um, lots of changes going on, not just with schools moving conferences and that, cause that's, you know, that's happened before that'll continue to happen. Big sky is the same this upcoming season, right? Same 10. Same 10. Yeah. Same 10 with our two affiliates in football. Yep. So, so we're, we're stable as of now, you know, again, you can never predict the future. You can only plan for it. So, you know, what's, what's going on is you have this kind of uh, conflict between us trying to us by us, I mean, the administration and college athletics as a whole, trying to um, manage this enterprise going forward, trying to say, okay, how do we keep all the good things we have going, right? We provide great opportunities for student athletes to get, get an education, to play the sports they love, to work towards graduation, um, to build their lives, to provide great connections with fans and alumni and all that that have built this great thing. How do we do that? Yet how do we also kind of transform college athletics to something that's a little more student athlete friendly, right? So, mm -hmm 
bringing in name, image, and likeness, allowing them to, to capitalize on that's been a great thing. Um, it hasn't been perfect. It's going to take a while for us to figure out some avenues to get that there. The transfer portal, which is allowing student athletes to make the choices they want to make for themselves and give flexibility, just like any other student would have on campus, um, is also uh, causing some some uh, some challenges. But what you have is kind of this convergence of all of these things happening at the same time. Right. And so that just makes it really messy. Um, it's why you see us, you know, asking Congress for help uh, to at least give us some type of guidelines. We can level set the name, image, and likeness space because what it's turned into at the highest level is just pay for play. Um, you know, hey, you're only making $25,000 or I'll give you $100,000 here. And that's not what it was intended for. Um, but I think everybody knew it was going to go in this direction. And so our challenge is how do we bring it back under something we can manage, right? So that's where we need congressional help uh, to get that done. And uh, so name, image, and likeness, I think I think over the next year or so, I think we'll start to see some of that happen. I think that will help us. You know, the transfer portal piece of this, you know, combined with it just kind of makes it doubly more challenging. But the transfer portal piece, that's here to stay. Yeah. We just have to kind of figure out some ways to and some timelines to make it work for, for everyone. Um, because obviously schools need to know, okay, who, who are the scholarship players going to be? Are they going to be here? Um, you know, you invest a lot of time, effort, and energy into, into the student athletes, and you're hoping that they will, you know, also reciprocate that as well. And so we have to find a way to level level set that. And I think we'll do it by the calendar. Mm. But if so it's just going to take some time. You know, this is all so new. You can't expect that it is a new initiative. It's going to happen in the first year. We got it all figured out. We're going to be fine. That's not the way it works. So we're smarter now than we were when we started. Um, but we still got a long ways to go. And that presents a challenge for a mid-major conference like the Big Sky, yeah. right? right? So so we benefit from the transfer portal just like it hurts us. You know, we've, yeah. if you look at our first, second, and third team, you know, men's basketball rosters last year, most of the players either were out of eligibility or transferred. Yeah, like Dalton uh, Next, right, going from northern Colorado to Tennessee. Great example. Jalen Cohn goes from northern Arizona to Cal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of our best players, right? And so – so more power to them. That's great. We also, we got some transfers in from those right. power five programs too. Right. That, that And so it allows for that flexibility, both up and down. Um, you know, you, of course, no one likes, Hey, you work really hard with a kid, you help them out for a couple of years and then they go, you kind of feel like triple a, uh, <laughs> but the, but the, but the good thing is that, you know, like I said, you get some reciprocity there yeah. and our coaches, the ones that have embraced it and have worked really hard with it. They're the ones that are going to, going to benefit the most. Mm. Uh, by by this uh, kind of roster attrition. Um, but it's changed. That's why you see some of the greats of the game leaving because building a program is different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, so you're going to see, we think, you know, we're going to see more of those Florida Atlantics end up making deep runs, right? We're going to see those teams uh, because players are going to come together and they're just going to find that magic together in some places. And we're going to see some places where a bunch of stars went and they don't play very well together right. and right. Uh, don't make a deep run. So it's just going to change. Doesn't make it better or worse. Um, but, it, but it's something we talk about a lot within the big sky of how do we manage this kind of future together? Um, the good thing I like about us, we have great leadership from our presidents, got no real egos in the room. They all like each other, work well together. And we know who we are. 
Um, and that's something I think pretty special and unique. Um, you know, there's other conferences out there. I won't name them that are trying to pretend to be something they're never going to be. And uh, that's not us in the big sky. We're very comfortable where we're at. Uh, we want to be the best mid-major conference in the country. We want to be the best FCS conference in the country and win national titles in football. And uh, we'll continue to build towards those two things. Yeah. Well, and you're doing it, my friend. You know, the recent media rights deal with ESPN back in June of 21, if I'm correct, that's the largest ever for an FCS conference under uh, happening under your leadership. So, Tom, very well done. And uh, it's clear that you all know who you are and are moving towards that. I want, I want to ask you something back about the NCAA tournament as it relates to, as you're saying, kind of mid-major teams and leagues that traditionally get one team into the tournament. Do you like the unpredictability of conference tournaments for typical traditional one-bid leagues? Or as commissioner, would it be helpful to have a way to ensure that your regular season champ was your NCAA tournament representative? As an example, this uh, go back to this past season where your number nine seed Northern Arizona knocked off your one seed Eastern Washington and made it all the way to the conference championship game before ultimately falling to Montana State. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if I was in a league where the difference between the top and the bottom was so massive, um, you know, let's take Gonzaga's run, and that's not a not a perfect example, but it's the first one that comes to mind, right? Right? You know, I mean. You know, if you look over the last 15 years, the difference in the West Coast Conference in the top and the bottom is probably fairly dramatic, right? right? You got a team that played for a national title, and then you've got teams that you know aren't uh, aren't sniffing the NCAA tournament. So in the Big Sky, we don't have that gap. The compression between our our top seed and our bottom seed is really pretty narrow, and that played out obviously last year with Northern Arizona. So um, so because of that, I like the setup of let's bring everybody tournament. Everybody has a chance to win. And yes, you get some benefits to be in the one or two seed in our format, but we're not going to give you a buy all the way to the semis just to help <laughs> you out. Um, so, so you, you get rewarded by your seat in the tournament. We'll help you, but you still have to beat enough teams to prove you're deserving to go to the NCAA tournament. And so, so that's why, like I said, to me, it's all based upon how big a gap you have between that top and bottom team. And for us, it's not it's not a lot. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, we don't charter in our conference. So, you know, so everybody's hopping on planes, commercial flights to get to school A on Thursday. They might be hopping on another flight on Friday to get to school B on Friday to play that game Saturday and then fly back home on Saturday night or Sunday morning, you know, all of a sudden. So, so, you know, it's, our league is tough and it's tough to win on the road and there's lots that can happen. So, so that's why, like I said, I like the format of keep the, since the compression is close, everybody has to go through the gauntlet to get to the NCAA tournament. I love it, man. And that, that makes it so fun. And so uh must see appointment television and, uh, Tom, just something else I want to say. I love that you guys have started the Big Sky Summit Challenge. I, I just, as a college basketball fan, even, you know, once we get into conference tournament season and that's all it is, I miss the opportunity to see some of those non-conference matchups. So I love that you guys are starting into that. What, what do you think it's going to benefit the teams of the Big Sky and the Summit Leagues? Yeah, so our goal there was, you know, we we were fans years ago of that bracket buster. Yes. Thing, yeah. you, know, you know, and... uh you know, I think the challenge with that was 
you know, was trying to manage the return trips for the teams after, Mm -hmm. after they were scheduled. I think, so I think it just got too big and unmanageable. And there was an effort by a number of us to try to do something like that this year. Um, But we couldn't get enough conferences on. We could only get about seven or eight conferences on to do it. So in response to that, Josh, the commissioner of the summit, he and I got together and said, you know, we both have 10 schools at this time. We both had 10 and, uh, and let's make this work. We're going to group our schools in three pods. Hmm. And the goal is to have our best teams play the best teams, mid-level play and the lower third play. So the goal is number one, to get home games. All of us struggle at home games. Quite frankly, some people don't want to, I can't imagine why, don't want to fly <laughs> up to the mountains in the middle of, uh, you know, the middle of January or, or December and uh, go on a road. So we need home games. So that's number one. Everybody gets a home game and a road game against a like opponent. And so the goal is, is that we hope we can win our home games, knock off a few of the road wins and kind of the rising tide lifts all ships uh, from a net perspective. Cause what we found is that if our champion is one of our best teams, we're, we're going to get seated to start with by our net. And so the goal of that is you got to have your worst teams with the best net they can get so that it's not penalizing our, your best team. And so so we think by doing this, getting those two games against like opponents, it gives us the best opportunity for our teams to, to get some wins. And I like scheduling it. What we're doing is we're playing one week of conference play. Then we have the Summit League Challenge. So you're playing it in the middle or after the start of conference play so that it's, it's, a, it's a regular scheduled date, right? It's not – it doesn't float. Oh, you got to play this in November, December. No. Everybody's playing on a Wednesday and everybody's playing on a Saturday. And so, you know, I think that we, we hope to accomplish giving our teams home games and hopefully get some wins. Unfortunately, the Summit League lost a member, and so we went down to nine. And uh, so, you know, we'll have some teams that don't get both their men's and women's teams two games now. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we're excited about it, and we think it's a great opportunity for us as a league. Well, I myself am very excited for this. I know we'll be talking about the challenge here on the show. I need to like come to some of these games and be like the the commissioner of the Big Sky Summit Challenge or something like That'd that. That'd be That'd great. Be Isaac, come on out. We'd love to have you. I'd love to do it. That's awesome. Well, Tom, I want to get you out of here, but just I, I want you to have an opportunity as we get out to just what is it that you love about being commissioner of the Big Sky Conference? You know, I love the diversity of our schools and our student athletes are such great, great young men and women. Um, you know, we're in eight states out west here. Uh, you know, there's a, a there's some real solidarity in our conference. A lot of brand equity built up over 60 years as a league. And, uh, you know, I always say whenever there's uh, state names in your schools, it's really important. Hmm. And we've got a lot of those in our conference. And so. You know, as I travel around to our schools, you see the passion of the fans and our student athletes really working for the right things. Right. I mean, sure. Some of them are capitalizing on some name, image and likeness money. More power to them. Right. Most of them are there. They've got some sort of scholarship. They're playing a sport they love and they're working towards graduation. And uh, that's what I love to see. I love to be part of it and feel very fortunate uh, to be the leader of uh, such a great conference. And I think really has its priorities in the right order. That's very well said, my friend. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us on the show. Glad to be here, Isaac. Take care. 
Thanks again for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or watch of the day. You everydayers love having you here all the time. If you're a guest to the show, welcome. So glad you're here. Come join us on a more regular basis. Also, of course, big thanks to Tom for joining us today. So great to hear about everything that he's got going on to just be a big advocate for college basketball. So grateful. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCBB. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Make sure you also go give Tom a follow on Twitter. If you would, make sure you subscribe to the show, whether on audio or video formats. Smash the like button if you're watching to let us know you're here. Leave comments on the show and how much you enjoyed Tom's conversation. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, peace.